Welcome, every one of you out there. We're starting this uh, third book of Moses called Leviticus here. And we uh, want to go through a little bit of the uh, history of our Old Testament, how it was translated for a minute. All you studiers know that there was two occultists, Westcott and Hort, that had a completely different basis to their New Testament so-called translation that was insisted on by the theologians. And it had nothing to do with all the manuscripts, thousands of manuscripts here. Um, in 1500, the, um, all the translations that had been preserved all around the world into all the languages came together to make our 1611 King James. That's, that was the basis of it. It started in 1500 as the persecution stopped for people to uh, translate the Bible. And so all those, trans, all those uh, copies and uh, archives came together. Um, well, Westcott and Hart had a completely different where they got it is a good question, but it had nothing to do with what the King James people used. Nothing. It is an Antichrist uh, Bible that used Westcott and Hart. They were two occultists. <laughs> they started a secret society there called the Ghost Guild. Ghost Guild. Now get that. See, that's over fallen angels, folks. That's just what it is. So you had two occultists, Westcott and Hart. Well, the Old Testament, folks, is no different. The the uh, Other than King James in English, the rest of them all went to the Alexandria Library manuscripts, and they are completely different. They don't match up with the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. They don't match up with... Isaiah in his complete form there out of the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls? No. No, 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 no. You're not going to get the same thing here as we study the Old Testament. You're not going to get that out of the other, the other uh, so-called Bibles. They are not Bibles. They are occult manuscripts. They have deleted thousands of verses out of out of our bible okay but they they're the roots of the other versions came out of the alexandria library they are not just questionable they are occultists the alexandria people did not believe in christ they did not believe he was resurrected resurrected none of that okay all right so anyway again when we get the uh, the uh, King James 1611, you get the real benefits to all those translations across the firmament of the earth into all those languages, and they came together and were compared. People that had no relation to each other in different languages across the sea, and yet we came up with the exact same Bible. God indeed gave us the Word of God, folks. 
He gave us the word of God, and it's in the King James 16, 11, and there's no, no, no other translation in English that you can trust for a second. That's the way it is. So with that in mind, I'm revved up to read this Leviticus. I'm all psyched up. And we're going to see here that you're going to have, uh, we're going to start off here with a lot of the same uh, rituals, etc. Uh, these similitude teaching tools to the, to the children of Israel. They're here for us. And uh, we will be getting into some very different things. Okay, it will be well worth the trek through Leviticus here. Uh, and it's called the third book of Moses. So on we go here with the burnt offerings, the herd, uh, the flocks, and uh, fowls. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. It says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd, and of the flock. In three, it says, If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, period. Once again, you see, voluntarily, as Christ went to the cross, he was without blemish, and that's why it was insistent that whatever offering you brought was without blemish. And as we go into the Old Testament prophets, there they are being admonished for bringing in cattle that were not without blemish, okay? Bringing in the bad ones, okay? And the Lord said, you don't think I see that? You see, in all this, this isn't some man-made ritual here or satanic ritual. This is for God Almighty here, okay? And that lamb without blemish is an obvious uh, correlation to the uh, voluntary sacrifice of his son that went to the cross and gave himself for us. Okay, and for he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Five, and he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priests Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about the altar that it that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So once again, the shedding of blood had to be there. 
What blood is that? Christ's blood. And that gave us what? The great outpouring of the Comforter. Now, the Holy Ghost was around with all the saints. Not saying it wasn't. But yet there was this outpouring there as Christ went to the cross and as he ascended there. The outpourings came. Look at the beginning of the book of Acts and the outpourings there. And there's more to come as we head into the tribulation, into the 2,300-day week of years, there's going to be outpourings. And when Christ is ruling and reigning here with a rod of iron for a thousand years, there's going to be more outpourings. In 6 it says, And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. Once again, the earth will not be destroyed by water. It will be by the fire of the Holy Ghost. It will be recreated. The fire, it refines the gold, that's you and me, folks, and burns the briar. And there is the fire in seven. Now, interesting that the printers of this put a big old pinned in seven here. It's a holy number. In eight, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat in order upon the wood that is in the fire, which is upon the altar. But the inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now, the sweet savor goes up there in the book of Revelations. How long, O Lord, till you avenge the innocent blood that's been slain on the earth? It's a holy, holy prayer. Praying against the ungodly haters of the Lord. There in the book of Revelation. But 10 is a new paragraph. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. Once again. Okay, and look at this. The uh, male without blemish. The sheep is on the north side. Look at this. What did we say? North, north Pole. The center of the earth, south, the border of the pancake of the earth, north star plumb line to earth. All you old timers know what I'm talking about, don't you? In 11, and he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before the Lord. And the priests, Aaron's son, shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. 
period. Okay, once again, the uh, north side there and the occultists uh, will not sit on the north side of their lodge, of their uh, grove, when they're doing their rituals, doing their teaching of their ungodly doctrines. They will uh, face the northeast towards the sunrise, but they will never sit on the north side of the lodge, their chapel, okay? And that's because it's against, as they call him, Adonine, which is not his name, of course. But uh, the uh, occultists call him Adonine, disrespecting God Almighty. In 12, and he shall cut it into his pieces with his head and his fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar, but he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water, and the priests shall bring it all, and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And I always, I already explained those undercurrents. I'll touch on them every now and then as we go through this, in case somebody's tuned on to one uh, pod and they haven't heard it. Uh, I will touch on it every now and then. So bear with me on that, all you old timers. 14, new paragraph. And if the burnt sacrifice for his offering to the Lord be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. 15, and the priest shall bring it unto the altar and wring off his head and burn it on the altar and the blood thereof shall be wrung out at the side of the altar. 16, and he shall pluck away his crop with his feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes. Notice the ashes toward the east. 17, and he shall cleave it with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Okay, and on we go into chapter 2 to get this uh, Leviticus train rolling here. For today, it says, uh, you know, we're going to have the offering of flour and oil and incense. See, I'm going to ask you folks, have you seen anything in here yet? You just went through Exodus. Did they say everybody give the priest 10% of their income? Have you seen that yet? I didn't think you had because it ain't in here. <laughs> that's, that's prosperity 
Preaching 101. Give me your money. All right, I'm not paying them to brainwash me. Are you out there? No, you ain't. Anyway, a little jesting there. But uh, here we have the, the bacon in the oven and uh, a frying pan or the first fruits in the ear and the salt of the meat offering. Now, see, in some of these, you're going to get a tenth of the, like, say, flour and this and that. Okay, but that's not. There is a tenth here, okay? But tenth comes from Babylon. How do I know that? Well, from the Code of Hammurabi. That goes way back, way back before Nebuchadnezzar. It was on an obelisk there in Babylon, and it was a law code to King Hammurabi, and there he uh, was charging people that tenth tax. Okay, it was very popular around the Middle East back in those days. Okay, but anyway, here we go. In chapter 2, in the book of Leviticus, Verse 1, and when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and he shall take thereout his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar, to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. In three, and the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his son's, it is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. Now, did you just see what he took out of that? His handful of flour. Now, is that 10% of your income? You're still under the half shekel rule here. That's not that you can't bring something up to the and make some kind of special free will offering, uh, that's not what we're saying. Somebody could do that. Uh, but here you see they just take a handful of flour here. Okay, anyway, in four is a new paragraph. And if thou bring an oblation of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, it shall be all unleaved cake of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleaved wafers anointed with oil. And we know what the unleaved bread is all about there. We just studied uh, the children of Israel leaving Egypt there in Exodus. In five, we have another new paragraph. And if the oblation be a meat offering, bacon in a pan, it shall be of fine flour unleaved, unleavened, Mingled with oil, thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil upon oil thereon. It is a meat offering. Seven is a new paragraph. 
And if the oblation be a meat offering, baking in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. In eight, and thou shalt bring the meat offering that is made of these things unto the Lord. And when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it unto the altar. And the priest shall take from the meat offering a memorial thereof and shall burn it upon the altar. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. In 10, and that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. So uh, if you want to know the truth, who's sharing with the uh, Aaron and his sons? It's the Lord. This is the Lord's offering. Am I right, table people? And who's sharing with them the most holy thing? And me as a citizen of Israel, I can't get in there and get it. The Lord's the one giving this to Aaron and his sons, the priests. How about that? In 11, no meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven, for ye shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering of the Lord made by fire. Period. Now we have a new paragraph in 12. As for the oblation of the first fruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not be burnt on the altar for sweet savor. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering with all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. Okay, folks, there's a big one. And there, the, the translators are sending you to Mark here. But remember what Christ said? If you've lost your savor, what good is the salt? Remember that? Mark 9, 49. And here it is. This has to do with what? Your covenant with God here in this little uh, allegory. How do we like that? How allegoric is this law? Okay. If you've lost your you will lose your savor if you don't have the salt here, etc. That's a paraphrase. You know what I'm talking about, don't you out there, studiers, table people. Okay, so that adds a lot, a big dimension to what Christ's words were there in the New Testament. 14. And if, and if thou offer a meat offering of thy first fruits, Unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of thy first fruits green ears of corn dried by the fire, even corn beaten out of the full ears. Okay? All right. 
and and uh, fifteen, and thou shalt put oil upon it, and lay frankincense thereon. It is a meat offering. Okay, so there's that. Sixteen, the last verse of this podcast. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it, part of the beaten corn thereof, and part of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Period. Has anybody ever smelled frankincense? That must be some good stuff back in this day, right? But anyway, look at this, and here it is. Uh, uh, this, this is, if you're going to offer it, uh, you're looking at your first harvest, your first, uh, if, if an animal was born, okay, uh, it had to break the matrix. It had, it, it, we see, it was a virgin birth. If it didn't break the matrix, you could not bring in that meat to the temple. You couldn't bring in that sacrifice. It had to be of the broken matrix. All the other births could not be accepted. Okay, see, all of this is allegoric to our salvation through Jesus Christ. 